and welcome to this month's podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. I mean, it's a bit late to be saying that, really, Michael. It's like the end of January. Well, yeah, but isn't it a new year till the end of January? I definitely stopped saying that. I mean, I was fed up of saying it probably by the 8th of January. And that was only my second day back in the office. (laughs) Oh, dear. I thought the rule was, is that you said it for the month of January when you see somebody you haven't seen or spoken with for the very first time. It probably is, Mr. Bentley. You are. I don't know. I'm talking out of my hat drawer, probably. (laughs) You're, You're probably right. I'm just, you know, lazy. And irritated easily in my old age. <laughs> Where has the month gone? I can't believe it. Uh, I know, I can't believe it's the end of January. And we've actually been so busy. And <laughs> I hate it when people say, oh, so busy. But we really have been um, to get us both together to do the podcast yes. via the internet um, has actually been a bit, bit of a struggle in both of our diaries. January's always a busy month. And I remember, Mike, when you first started all those years ago, and I said to you, January's always a busy month, and you were really surprised, weren't you? I was, yes, because in practice, um, it's one of those months where it's not always predictably busy. It can be, but it's not always. And I, and I did many years in practice where some Januarys would be like, well, you know, the year started fantastically well, and other years where it's been like a real slow mm. month and everybody's grinding from one day to another. Um, but yeah, so you'll be absolutely right though. Um, and I think that goes through uh, the amount of feedback that we've had as well. You know, this month we've had a lot of feedback. We've had a lot of, you know, questions sent in, haven't we? Mm. Um, month, And it just goes to show, doesn't it, that uh, maybe I think... Uh, we've both been very joyous, haven't we, this month as well about, you know, it's a new year and it's a new decade. Um, and I, for one, have been quite excited by that, I must say. Yeah, definitely. I love January. Well, you know, I'm, I know I'm annoyingly positive anyway. So, you know, I love Mondays. I love January. Everything's, <laughs> <laughs> mm. you know, exciting in my life. Um, right, let's get to the evenings, though. Oh, not evenings. Don't like evenings. No. Cool. Not, not an evening <laughs> person, me. Right. So, we, yeah, we have had um, quite a few questions through. So these are the ones that um, we're going to answer for you today. We've had to bump a few onto next month's, which we'll probably record next week as it's next month then. So uh, paying a TCO a bonus. What do we advise? Um, handling a bad review online and handling follow up. Um, this is from a TCO. So let's get straight into it then. Um, should I be paying my treatment coordinator a bonus? I think I was thinking of paying her £25 per Invisalign case that she converts. Um, what are your thoughts on this and, and the other bonus systems that you recommend? So if I was to say to Michael in one word, what's your answer? I know what it's going to be. What is it, Mike? No. <laughs> you can do that one word. <laughs> But let's discuss it. Otherwise, the podcast will be over with in three minutes. Um, I really get it. Like, I get the concept. And I was an employee that also had bonus systems. So it definitely does motivate people. But I think what we've discussed quite a lot last year when we're talking about pay and salaries and paying people the right amount of money 
that the most important thing is to make sure that the hourly rate is correct for this person. Don't try and, you know, build up their income with bonuses. There's really just not how it's done anymore. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, yeah, but not now. It really all is about the hourly rate being correct. So that's the first thing definitely to look at. Um, and then definitely, you know, if you want to put a bonus in, I always say about, and I know Michael, you, you did it slightly differently, but it was still the same concept of everyone should be bonused because every single you know, part of the patient experience is reliant on everyone playing their A game. Mm. So if you're going to do a bonus, you need to really work it out. And then you need to look at that being a pro rata payment and, you know, it being for the team. You know, we always had the whole team bonus apart from new starters. They were never on the bonus for, for a good six months. Um, and you used to do the same as well, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have discussed this before, you're absolutely right. And but I think it's important that, you know, we revisit it, you know, probably every year anyway, because things do change, don't they? And I think what you said is absolutely right. I think, you know, the changes in, you know, uh the national minimum wage and all those kind of things, I mean it's accelerated over the last, you know, few years. And, you know, I did a blog earlier in the year as well, um, about salary banding. And for me, you know, if you get that right in a practice, then you shouldn't need bonuses where staff are reliant on, you know, I need a bonus to, to make ends meet or to, you know, to, to inject into a holiday or something like that. People should know what, you know, their earning potential is. And also, I think, you know, a bonus needs to feel like a bonus. And for me, a bonus should be almost a surprise you know, a really nice surprise as well that, you know, um, because you've all worked together as a collective, um, actually we're able to give you a bonus and people go, oh, you know, that's, you know, that was a surprise. Um, and I know I've said it before because, you know, when my mum used to work at Beatties, I know I've said this, is that, you know, <laughs> she was reliant on a bonus to pay for the insurance for the house. And one year, Beatties decided not to give it, just like they've decided not to give it to John Lewis this year, um, you know, to all of the workers in John Lewis. Um, and the thing about it is, is when you're banking on something, that, you know, that's a real problem, isn't it? Yeah. But I think, you know, the word do I give a bonus to the TCO? I think where it comes from is it comes from the fact that um, the TCO is dealing with treatment plans and is and are phoning patients back and dealing with, you know, if you like the financial end of treatment and moving them into, you know, varying, you know, points in the diary. And because they're dealing with the money part, it's deemed that the TCO should get a bonus for that. And I know both in, you and I definitely agree on this that is definitely a no and the reason why it's not is a no is because you know we should not be incentivizing anybody um to that has an influence on a patient and uh, because it's attached to a bonus and i really don't agree with that you know what i mean because really you're asking the tco really that well if you can persuade this person into treatment then there's something in it for you mm. and um, you know, for me, 
as a TCO, you want absolute integrity, don't you? You want to make sure that you are educating patients and they're making an informed choice about their dentistry so that the patient can go, yes, this is what I would like to do next. And therefore I'm going to book treatment. And then you're right with what you say. Actually, that will can't even happen unless the front desk are dealing with the emails and the, you know, the phone calls and the WhatsApp messages and the Facebook messages and all of those kind of things at the entry point of the patient. And it doesn't work if, you know, the actual comprehensive assessment is fantastic. It doesn't work if the treatment plan is not good and it doesn't work if the nurses aren't, you know, being really supportive with, uh, you know, how they're, you know, running through their treatment day and you know everybody's got to be on top of diary zoning and all sorts of other things it's just multi-layered isn't it mm. so that's why um, the answer is a no it's not about you know just should the t's and i think the other point is should the tco get more uh, for the role that they're playing in the practice and i think the answer to that is yes um, and, the, and the reason for that is, is because if they're fully treatment coordinating in practice and they are having the responsibility of doing free consultations, consultations alongside the dentist, they're doing treatment planning with the dentist, they're part of the treatment planning options meeting appointments, they're then actually clarifying everything with patients and then doing follow up and they're looking after the conversion grid and following that up as well. Then from a band point of view, then that is going to be a higher hourly rate for that role mm. and I had this conversation just last week when I was working with a practice on their salary bandings um, and you know I said you know when you actually work it out when you put the figures in it's quite often now that a TCO who is cross-trained with the front desk and nursing and who actively uses those cross-training skills that they've got who's perhaps been with the practice <laughs> for some time maybe they've got an additional you know you've been there five years you get an extra 50p or pound or they're a highly trained nurse and they're using clinical treatment coordination which is using scope of practice for scanning impressions for radiographs photographs that actually those people can be on a very similar hourly rate to the practice manager yeah, yeah. and it's just the way it's framed and I think, you know, that does go through uh, Sally Bandy and it's uh, and it's really looking at, isn't it, what are the roles that people are actually doing in practice and are you paying them for what they actually deliver in the practice? Yeah, I know why practices like bonuses and, you know, I think the reason why bonuses, you know, are, are still around for a lot of companies and, and, and still in dentistry is because it's something that is not, not concreted in. So financially things aren't working out for you for that particular year. You can go, well, there isn't a bonus and therefore you you, you know, you're not forced into paying something that you can't do, which I totally understand. But what I would say to everybody is that what we are finding in practice is that to retain your really good members of staff, you do need to look at salary banding because what people are doing is some practices are really early adopters. They are doing things differently because they understand what they need to do to retain staff. Um, mm -hmm. And therefore these opportunities are coming about and actually 
there are more dental nurse reception opportunities now than I think I've ever seen on Indeed. I mean, if you go and have a look at the vacancies that are in dentistry at the moment, they're colossal, aren't they? So people are having the opportunity to go, well, actually, you know, I could take my set of skills and I can use them in a different practice and I'm going to be rewarded in a different way. So you do need to think about how you're going to, how you're going to do that. And that comes in different frameworks as well, doesn't it? Of whether you are an NHS practice and you're being, you know, you've got UDA funding, which doesn't always give you um, the salary budget to um, deliver really high banding salaries. That's, that, that is the situation, isn't it? And then you've got the flip side of that where you might be in a very high-end private practice um, where actually you do need to pay the staff you know, a, a, a very high hourly rate because of the service experience and you're asking them to do. And then you've got like a midway point, haven't you, between NHS and, and private. Interestingly, I had a question through, Laura, which I think you might like as well, is that... Um, I was contacted about uh, treatment coordination courses and actually, you know, what is our feelings about TCOs uh, coming on to courses when they're not GDC registered? Um, Mm. And is this even appropriate to do so? And can they? Um, And I went back with the answer of that, you know, actually it's fine for, you know, people to come on treatment coordination courses that are not on the GDC register. And actually, we have trained some amazing TCOs that are fantastic at doing free consultation experiences, consultations, um, you know, with the dentist on the same day and doing a handover to the dentist. And the reason for that is, is because the first part of the patient experience is all about building a relationship. It's not about, you know, um, going through uh, clinical dentistry and answering clinical questions. It's building up, you know, the concerns of the patients the goals for the patients having and then talking generally about the solutions available to practice without clinically prescribing anything and then what I said was is that after that um, once it starts to get into treatment planning and options meetings that's where we feel the GDC registration does come in um, and it's very very um, important when you know um, people with GDC registration obviously going to start to have clinical conversations that the desk definitely shouldn't have now or in non-GDC you know trained uh, member of the team however it's also great for people to come on to treatment coordination courses that are not GDC registered and this goes to other team members as well because it's important that the front desk understand the treatment coordination role and what it's all about because sometimes not understanding the role is where all this fragmentation comes in and where people can get a bit like well, what do you do all day you just chat to people and you know and 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 you know what are you doing and I think you know through actually people coming on to courses they can actually understand the treatment coordination role and that's really important and they can assist with different things and I said a couple of things that you might add as well in terms of you know if there's an objection from a patient on the desk if a person's been on a treatment coordination course they're more likely to go oh this is the support you now need and you need to see a treatment coordinator who will be able to help you with the concern that you've got answer your clinical questions um and also as well that you know doing follow-up is so much easier when when you understand the treatment coordination role as well what do you think 
Yeah, absolutely. And let's, um, you know, link that directly now to this other question we've had from the TCO about follow-up and, you know, scripts and what they should be using. And um, basically this person's been saying about following up with people when they've come in for consultations, uh, they've had a scan perhaps uh, in some cases. Um, what's best to say to get people more interested and to convert them and this lovely lady's put a couple of couple of options bless her uh oh. down here yeah i know it's very sweet isn't it um very proactive uh, um you know she so she's put a couple of options down here in regards to um with calling as a courtesy and the other one's really just getting to the point do you want to go ahead with treatment or not <laughs> um so <laughs> yeah. i mean i always say your fortunes in your follow-up that's what i say and for me what this lovely lady has sent over here is great. She's being proactive with creating scripts for when she rings people. But still, however, this process is reactive. And as a TCO, this is where you've got the opportunity, and it's a huge part of the role, to be proactive with follow-up. And that's to pre-arrange follow-up calls. So if someone leaves an appointment with you without another one booked, you need to arrange to ring them at a date and time that works for both of you and actually let them see them, book, let them see you book that in their diary so that when you are ringing, it's expected because that's what you want. You don't want someone ringing out of the blue, do you? You know, I don't answer phone calls if I'm not expecting them. You know, if I can see it's a local number ringing on my mobile, I'm not answering it because the chances of that being a practice are quite slim. So, you know, your fortune is in your follow-up. You want to make it really proactive. Now, one of the scripts she's put here is about um, uh, saying, I think this might be the dentist preference she's put, uh, this is a courtesy call um, from such and such dental practice to find out if you'd like to proceed uh, with such and such treatment or would you like another free consultation with Dr. So-and-so? Um, mm. Yeah, so I hate courtesy call. <laughs> yeah. It irritates people immediately. You're doing yourself a courtesy, not the patient. Actually, you're probably interfering in their day. Um, and I think it's really just also one, one of the first things that I always say to TCOs, before you ring the patient, you should know why you're ringing. And you really need to look into the notes that you've taken and really look yeah. at the social history that you've got down. <laughs> so if I was going to ring Michael, I'd be able to say, oh, hi, Michael. It's Laura Corley from Horton Dental. How are you today? I would then also say, is it a good time to talk? Because that shows you respect the person. And if yeah. it's not, they'll say no. And they'll give, and then you can say, when shall I call you back? And then you've got an opportunity to arrange a date and time. So you're still on the back foot here because you haven't arranged, but you know, it's better than nothing. And then I'd go in with something social. So Michael would say, yeah, it's a good time to talk. I'd say, oh, thank you so much. So thank Michael, because he's about to give me his time. Oh, Michael, I do have to ask, how did uh, your trip to London go last week to see that show? You know, I've got something from that patient. And this is exactly just links back, Mike, to just what you were saying. The first consultations that TCOs have, most TCOs, the free consultations and what we call the initial consultations, they're all about relationship building. That's what they're about. And you need that. You really need that aspect. Because if you're not doing that or not planning to, because treatment coordination can take time to implement, actually, if you're never going to get to the stage of having that, follow-up is a nightmare. Because you haven't got any rapport building because you've just seen the patient, scanned them, and off they pop. Yes, and I agree with that totally. And I think, you know, this is one of the great reasons why, you know, um, 
people that are on reception can be fantastic treatment coordinators, especially yeah. doing free consultations, because they can do them throughout the day as well. Um, I mean, this all depends on staff numbers as well, but if you've got somebody that walks in, we talk about the walking patient a lot. If you've got an opportunity to do a free, consult there, free consultation there and then for that person, that's the best thing you can do. And then you build your relationship um, straight away. And that's just so important. And mm. I think what you've said about you know I, I mean I think we've got two systems going on here haven't we and it sounds like this is unplanned follow-up yeah, um, yeah. planned follow-up isn't there and there's unplanned follow-up yeah. an unplanned follow-up tends to be you know we've got you know all of these outstanding treatments need a follow-up and then they're given to the receptionist and they're like I don't know what to do with these I don't know where to start and you know that goes back to what you said you know is it a good time to speak with you today and then you can say can't you once you've done some social history you know the purpose of my call today is to see if you have any questions in relation to the proposed treatment treatment plan da, 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 da. so then you can start to go from there and then what you're looking for is whether there is an objection to treatment what I would say is, is that from a practice point of view, you've got to role play these different scenarios and you've got to come up with, if the patient says this, what are you going to say next? If the patient says this, what are you going to say next? Because if you don't do that, then the receptionist that does it is going to have a very fast call of like, I don't know what to do. You've asked me to do something that I'm not trained to do. Um, yeah. And that's why I love the fact that this TCO has sent this question in and given a couple mm. of options. That I think we've probably clarified, you know, what she needs to do. I'm presuming it's a she uh, needs to do yeah. moving forward. Um, you know, but follow-up is such a big thing. And as you say, it, 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 it's a really thing. The most effective follow-up, as you've said, is if it's planned straight away and that is a patient that needs more time to think about treatment um, or who you know would like to discuss it with a, a you know their partner or you know their mum or dad or, or, or whatever and mm. we do do that don't we you know especially when it's a big decision about something um we do like to run it past somebody that we care about don't we or run it past social media uh, some people <laughs> like you know going straight out do an instagram post don't they i'm thinking about having this treatment what do you think you know thumbs up thumbs down um and if the thumbs up get it they'll have the treatment so yeah. you know we're living in a day and age now aren't we where you know people do do thinking about what they're going to do yeah um, and we're having to do a lot more follow-up with uh, patients I believe and I think follow-up has become one of the biggest things in dentistry that you know needs more time and is not always given the time that it actually needs mm. we're all very good at you know doing the new patient consultation and you know, we are almost expectant that the patients are all going to agree on that day that they're going to have the treatment plan. And what I'm finding in practices that we're working with, Laura, is that people don't accept straight away. And for those practices that say, oh, well, they accept straight away, I think, mm, well, I'm actually a bit concerned that they do. Um, mm says to me that they're getting one type of patient that accepting and they've got a lull of patients here that are just falling away that they don't know about. Yeah, definitely. Right, we've got to move on to the last question in these last oh. few minutes. So this is from a practice who's had a bad review online. It's a Google review. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was from a new patient 
they failed to attend the first appointment and the second one they were too late to be seen and um the consequence of that is the patient's gone and you know put a bad google review on uh for them which is obviously not great uh, i would just like to say well done for turning them away for turning up too late that's what i'd like yeah, to say and not absolutely. yeah not disrupting everybody else's day staff and other patients and dentists and putting undue pressure on everyone so well done um there i'm not sure if this is an nhs patient or a private patient but i definitely recommend we, even without this google review that you don't see them again anyway because they're obviously not going to be a great patient for you it's definitely a two strikes you're out there for me on that one um, but what do you do when you've got a bad review? I think, you know, one of the first things to do is you do need in every practice to have set responses that are templates. So every time you get a good review, you should be responding with a template that you copy and paste in. Thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, you know, a little something that you want to add into it, particularly something they've mentioned. And then you do need something for a bad review as well. And obviously you can't go, well, hey, do you know what? We've checked your records and you failed to attend and then you turned up too late because you're clearly disorganized. <laughs> It'd be great if we could, but we couldn't. But I think you definitely need to look at creating templates so you can respond quickly because what's happened here is this bad review's gone on we've been emailed about it um i knew we wouldn't be able to respond until later this month so that person i did give them um, a few hints and tips to help with that but again be proactive i think that's our message today isn't it michael be proactive and have these templates and it's really important to invite people um to to call you to discuss you know, we're, we, you know, we're sorry that you are upset. You know, we can sense that, that you are very upset. Please call us so we can discuss this in more detail, obviously, if you want them to call. Um, but really try and make it sort of very understanding, very empathetic, because people do read them. It's a bit like restaurants, isn't it? When people put reviews on. I was actually looking the other day at, <laughs> check this out, the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> oh. Get you in the Red Bar Cafe. So glam. And, but people, I went there years and years ago. Uh, well, I don't know, probably a good 10 years ago, if not more. So I thought, oh, I'll read the reviews, see what it's like now. And, you know, people on there are moaning about the prices. And I'm thinking, come off it, guys. This is central London. It's the Rainforest Cafe. Of course, it's going to cost you 70 quid to feed two adults and two kids with burgers and chips. Like, come on, it's going to. And, I think this is the one thing to take from reviews. When people write them and they're emotional when they write them, their spelling's awful, their grammar's awful, they use slang, and they quite frankly just look silly to anyone else reading them anyway. I always like to flip things around, I know. <laughs> but that's what, when I read people writing bad reviews that are clearly, probably haven't got much really in them, yeah. then I think the problem is, yeah. And I think the problem is with reviews is, is that, you know, you are going to get bad reviews, aren't you, from somebody. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's the same as when we get feedback as well. And I think, you know, it's a reflection of, you know, what is, what is, what are the majority of people saying? And I think, you know, um, when people talk about reviews nowadays, it's, if you've only got one review, if that's your only review on the site, 
then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. If you've got other reviews that are fives and they explain why it's a five star service in your practice or a mixture of fives and fours, because, you know, to some people, um, you're never going to get a five in their eyes. It was, it's always going to be, you know, a four, you know, it's a good show. Um, yeah. I don't believe in giving fives. So, you know, for me, if, if the reviews are mainly fours and fives, um, you most people will, will um, look at that one star review and go, well, it, it doesn't fall in line with everything else. So I'm going yeah. to discount it because, as you say, it's an emotional response to actually in this particular example to their own situation. You know, they've missed their appointment. They've then come in late for their appointment and now they're annoyed they can't be seen. Well, actually, the problem lies with the patient, not with yeah. the practice. So the practice have done right to every other patient. So what you do need to do with reviews is that you do need to make, make sure that you're actually getting them um, so that actually you've got that counterbalance going on. If you haven't got it, that's when that review could do you damage. Yeah, that's my, my, my thing. And, you know, with reviews, you know, everybody's got to be on them, haven't they? You know, can I ask you a favour, Laura? Would you mind doing a Google review about your experience? Because you've just said to me, you know, oh, you love coming here. It's, you know, it feels like a family. Um, you know, you're fantastic. You know, the dentist is wonderful, blah, blah, blah. If you're getting feedback like that, and I'm, and, and I'm now going to say, I've sat on reception desks like you have, Laura, for many years, you know, uh, in practice as part of our practice manager treatment coordination role. And patients come downstairs, don't they, with this amazing feedback about team members and they're glowing. That is the opportunity to say, can I ask a favour? Could you do us a Google review? And yes, you're going to, you might say to 10 people in a day, can you do us a Google review? And you might strike it lucky with one person. Unfortunately, that's life. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, some practices are being more proactive than that. And they're saying, you know, if, if Laurie, you say, oh, yes, I'll do your review. Can I send you a reminder to do that review uh, for us, maybe in a couple of days, just in case you forget? And you might go, yeah, that's great. Yeah, do that, actually, because I might forget to do it. Yeah, that's taking it another step forward. Mm. But you have got to be very proactive with doing Google, review, you know, doing any reviews, whatever software you're using. And I know there's all sorts of things that, that, that people are using. Using because people will use reviews but it is about that counterbalance and I search for lots of um, products I mean you know I'm doing Priscilla Queen of Desert as you know um, and people, it, it's amazed I'm amazed how people talk about you know that's by heels and all sorts of things for the show and you know some people's reviews about things are really interesting like you know I wouldn't tr trust walking on this here you can only walk on it for like you know five seconds somebody else is like saying well no it's probably because you haven't got enough experience to walk on the hill and that's the problem it's not the shoe it's you and um, so <laughs> you know it's really interesting isn't it and you've got what you've got to do is look at something haven't you like the your rainforest cafe example and go what is the balance here because mm. any holiday book has always got a negative review on it yeah. always yeah hasn't it definitely wouldn't be losing sleep about a bad review but like Michael says you're right Mike if it's the only one you've got a problem so yeah. don't stop doing something great because you know if you're actively asking for reviews and getting them don't decide to stop now because you've had one bad one just keep going because what you're doing is fantastic and this is one of the biggest mistakes practices make isn't it they stop doing great things because of one person one comment so yeah. definitely don't do that
Right, we've actually got to um, finish, Michael, because of time. Well, thank, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. It's February. We've got more questions to answer. Please send more through. We really appreciate you listening. If you can, give us a review. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.